Welcome to Bookswell Intersections, a literary podcast devoted to amplifying the voices of writers from marginalized communities and connecting with their readers. I'm your host, Cody Sisko. The world has seen a lot of change recently. It's been drastic, it's been painful, and it's ongoing. What this means for the podcast is that we're going to be doing things differently going forward. Rather than longer episodes that include multiple segments, from now on I'm going to include one segment per episode, and they'll tend to be a bit shorter than they have been previously. In today's episode, for example, I'll be talking with Yodassa Williams about her forthcoming book, The Goddess Twins. We caught up last week via Zoom, and you might notice a little bit of slow internet-induced audio artifacts. I'm sure that Yodessa's bright black girl magic is going to outshine the technical difficulties we experienced, and you're going to love hearing about her new book. This is the Bookswell Intersections podcast. I'm Cody Sisko, and I'm here today with my special guest, Yodessa Williams. Yodessa, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I saw on your Instagram feed that there's a picture of you with your new book, The Goddess Twins, at Lake Merritt. Yes, yes. yes which is kind of a magical place. It is. Lake Merritt is magical. I'm grateful that I live by the lake. Um, it's been kind of intense with, obviously, the pandemic going on because a lot of people go from there place of living to the lake for that's true their, their social distancing so it's been interesting I've been less out um and uh I just you know have been like homebound and live alone so I've been sheltering in place alone and my wonderful sister was like we need to get you out and celebrating this book let's do a photo shoot by the lake so it was really wonderful like as we were there like taking the photos and like I had my mask on and then I would take my my mask off to take the photo and people would be like still running and my sister's like, no, stop, we're doing a photo shoot. This is my sister, she's an author, can you give us some social distance? So <laughs> it was great. really great. She, she like held the scene so we could do some cute photos. That's fantastic. So this is, is this your first novel? Yes, this yes. is my debut novel. So, so let's talk about that. What was the inspiration for the story? You, was there a moment where it sparked for you? Yeah, it's it's very interesting because it kind of came from different places to meld into this one fantasy story, but it is very intimate to me, this story. And I realized kind of after writing it, it's a snapshot of a summer that I had in my late teens, early 20s, going to London. Mm. And... I had grown up in Ohio, very sheltered, in a Jamaican family. We were the only Jamaican family in Ohio. I was very quiet and shy, and my, my just loving of books and fantasy was how I expressed my inner self. And this summer, my, my mother sent me to London to see family. We had really just reconnected with found this family that we had in London from Jamaica. So she sent me there and was like, go see your family in London. And me, little shy, was like, what the heck? So my two cousins who were both younger than me, but, you know, were already in London and handling it and had friends. And they took me under wing. I was there for six weeks. And that those six weeks really transformed 
myself and how I viewed myself in the world. Because they were like, cousin, we're about to give you a major cousin. We're about to go to Camden down and shop. Cousin, we're going to go out and dance and party at these places. And little shy me from Ohio just like blossomed in that summer. And it was literally like the first time I dyed my hair, my cousins were into like hair dye and spiking their hair and doing all this stuff. And they dressed me up and I got my nose pierced and we would go around town and go partying. It was my first time partying. I'm like partying in London and my cousins taught me to haggle and I was like arguing with salespeople. So like literally looking back as I finished writing this book, I was like, this is like the snapshot of what I felt as a person that summer when I reconnected with my family and I felt like I was amazing for the first time in my life. I felt like I could speak out and my personality was something to behold. And so that was really my first time kind of feeling that inner sense of black girl magic, which I really just developed into this story because I've always loved, you know, the coming of age, the hero journey, you know, those fantasy of like Star Wars and figuring out your destiny and like you have powers and you you can do more than you ever thought. And so always those stories held close to me. And I think a lot of that just fed into this story of these twin girls discovering their black girl magic. Yeah, on the cusp of their 18th birthday, no less. On the cusp of their 18th birthday. Always, I feel like, it's like, whoa, that evolution into adulthood mm -hmm. is really something to, to, to mark on. And and mixing it with the, the, the discovery of powers and the discovery of new family that has this mythological destiny that you're now tied to is really something I feel like, like represents that bigger evolution of self that happens to adulthood, mm. of taking responsibility for yourself, of taking charge for who you are and your power and being a person in the world. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the twins. They are not ident I mean they're identical twins, but their personalities are not identical. You have Arden yeah. and Aurora um kind of almost polar opposites on a spectrum. Yes, and it's interesting because in the writing and in the development of these two characters, they very much came from me. They're very like the center of me but then split into halves and then like put into two places and it was interesting um in the writing of this when i realized okay i'm gonna go back and forth and i'm gonna do this evolution of the story but in separate character voices um i realized i really needed to tap into the voice of who these girls were and how they would react to things and how it would be unique to their sister, their perspective. So that was what was fun for me as an author going into my first book, because I kind of previously was writing a lot of short stories and a little bit of poetry here and there. And the, the task of writing a novel felt really daunting. Like, how am I going to do all of this and, you know, one voice and develop this whole yeah. story? Um, so it was a little bit of a cheat for me to break it up into different, basically short stories of these characters back and forth, but along the same storyline. Mm -hmm. So that for me helped me kind of 
feel out what I wanted. I was like, I want to do a Aurora chapter right now because I'm feeling like really introspective and really like desiring connection that I don't know how to make. Mm. And then I would have other times where I'm like, right now, I just kind of want to go off on somebody and let the world know how I feel and guess whose voice I'm going to express that through. I'm ready to do an Arden chapter. So that for me kind of was a fun challenge um, to writing the voices. Yeah, I can see what you're saying about like sustaining a single voice over a novel can be a challenge. Yeah. Um, so despite the fact that their characters are somewhat different, they both face this challenge of self-doubt and having enough confidence in who they are and what their abilities are and their place in the world. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and why, why that was so central to their characters? Yes, I, I feel that you know, definitely the the hero's journey of just finding yourself and finding your power, which I knew was the path I wanted to take with this story, but involving two separate characters getting to that point, I, I realized I had to definitely start both of them off at a place of self-doubt, hmm. at a place of not recognizing their abilities or their power or their impact in the world and be to be able to take it from two perspectives um from one person whose personality is more introspective um, um which actually arden is the more introspective sister um but then to take that power and to develop it into being able to speak out is kind mm -hmm. of her path. Um, and then Aurora, who kind of already feels this sense of identity and this sense of being able to speak out of anger. It comes from a place of, of, of denial of feeling and then seeing her evolution. So both of them, I, I feel like that was really important and central to the story of not only them becoming superheroes with the powers, but superheroes emotionally and able to deal with their each identities in a more mature way. Yeah, yeah. So let's um, let's talk about the antagonists here. Um, you might expect in a, in a in a Black Girl Magic story that you know it's going to be um, a force of say like white supremacy or something keeping them down but that's not the case here it's really a family drama that um yeah. talk about that yes i it, it's interesting because i first had started this novel again kind of as a little play of short stories and i kind of had the mother character identified her background was a mystery to me mm. But as I started, you know, the writing of the sisters and then being like, really, like, what is the force that they have to fight in order to become themselves? Um, I, I realized it needed to be really personal and it needed to be a, a force that they would really like both drive themselves apart as sisters, drive themselves personally apart. And so coming back to the mother character, I realized not making her the antagonist, but making it something behind her mm -hmm. that she was trying to shelter them from felt very powerful to me because then it kind of tied her into the evolution because it was like, then the realization that she had kept them from this big thing that they had never known became part of the evolutionary force. And so in developing the mother and thinking, you know, what, 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 what would it be that she would be keeping from these 
twins or you know what is this big force that she's disappeared play on the stereotype of like fridging a female character and like you know like hiding her and she's the main reason why the hero becomes the hero because he has to go save the girl so I kind of wanted to like go after that so like the twins have to save their mom and she's gone the most of the book (laughs) so you really have like conflicting responses to even how they go about this journey so so yeah in in enveloping the mother character I realized there was something bigger to her and that's where I kind of realized there was a whole world behind her that she was holding back and so that for me then opened up the opportunity of of seeing what are the world and forces that would be against black female power and to be honest as a black female myself I do know of the unfortunate force of black masculinity against female power and against female empowerment. And so I've seen it in my family and I've heard and seen it in other families. I've watched, you know, court dramas and I'm like, wow, hot best family. Oh my gosh. And so it felt like there was a lot there to the story to unfold. And yes, white supremacy and the, the force of, of whiteness against blackness does play a role in the characters and in their world. And um, as I, kind of display in the the prequel and the um, the epilogue to the book it it kind of is one of the driving forces of why there is this division in the family and why there is this fight for power so that to me felt very interesting to build this world that within itself was so um so both dynamic and 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 fragile that the characters could all fall apart yeah. Um, so what was the hardest part of writing this novel? The hardest part? Great question. I think just the journey of it, because writing a novel is a huge elephant. <laughs> where do you and, start, and, you know? Yeah. And where do you start? You, you start with one bite. And so even just, you know, as I was you know, getting the courage to even in myself be like, this is a novel that I'm writing. And then to get the courage to, you know, share with other people, hey, I'm writing a novel. And then to like continue on that path each day, like opening up the computer to a blank page and being like, I want to write this novel, what's happening now? (laughs) Um, Said like the journey of being able to write this book about these goddesses was like my own hero's journey and my own evolution. I remember like applying for like writing residencies and being like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not going to get it. They, they're not going to believe in what I'm writing and that I need to have space to write or that I should be in this workshop to support my writing. But every step along the way, I would, you know, get little tips there and little, you know, growth here. And so, yeah, the journey to, to creating this book was its own huge journey. And I would say maybe, maybe the very hardest part, um, the very most challenging part is that emotional confidence because, yeah, just knowing that there were definitely part of writing this that I was like, what am I writing? This is ridiculous. I should stop. Stop that, you know, inner critic voice that's telling me yeah. this is not worthy of continuing to create. So, I, and I've heard that from other writers too, like the inner critic, the the self-doubt, the the imposter syndrome, that what you're doing is worthy. So, 
right now getting to the end of the journey and having the book and starting to be able to share it with people is so rewarding that I'm like, oh, it was worth all those nights that I really thought I wasn't doing it. So, yeah. So keeping the end goal in mind and never giving up. Correct. Yes. Good. Um, Were there any scenes that like you really enjoyed writing that you were just like uh, jazzed about? Oh, yes. The other characters know she's my favorite character and they're not mad. (laughs) So she is the grand grand and she (laughs) is, you know, spoiler alert, the, the like tells them their path who they are and and you know I've always loved like like on the matrix when he when he meets you know like Neo and he Neo meeting Morpheus and like discovering this destiny and then like finally going to you know um like meet more people along the path and this was a really exciting like scene for me to write and to to know like this was gonna be a point in the story that was gonna shift everything and this character was gonna be the character who was gonna do it and that she was gonna have really developed dialogue in her scenes that reflected both the culture of Jamaica that the girls were just getting introduced to. So I was excited for her to be a representation of the Patois language and just being like this cultural Jamaican goddess that they're like, whoa. <laughs> and then also to be like delivering dialogue and deliver- delivering background into, you know, their family and the dynamic and the like tension and what they have to do and the battle and the missing mother and the, all the pieces. And so I loved writing the grand grand scenes. I loved thinking of how the twins would react to her, of how the, the um, you know, the magic of the scene, because the grand grand is like this powerful, original Caribbean goddess with bestowed powers from the fate so just knowing like she would just be this like character that they would never forget was exciting for me to write out and to develop her scenes can i ask about future plans for these characters yeah (laughs) i feel like it's maybe hinted that that this isn't a standalone but i don't know if that's where you're going with it so i yes i'm i'm excited to see reaction to people of this book and that not just you but other other early reviewers have said you know this looks like it would be in really great shape for a follow-up because that was my intention in writing it that it was hopefully not just going to be the first entry into this world and these characters and these voices, but to open up really like this new panel and this new kind of portal, to be honest, I all love the reaction to, to the secondary and tertiary characters because they're all my favorites too. So I would love to see if people would be like, Oh, is there a spinoff happening with the grand grand and, or is there a spinoff happening with Kiara? Like, I would love to hear about that, you know, any reactions to that. So mm-hmm. has anyone asked you about Devin yet? No one's really asked about him. I'm they, asking. They asked <laughs> why he is like where like he's he's just there and then he's gone it like so so you're asking like you want to know more is that what you're saying <laughs> I would I I appreciated the interactions between the characters and Yay. I wouldn't mind seeing more of that yeah yeah I yeah I 
it's it's interesting because I've had some early reviewers who are like, I didn't know there was going to need to even be a romance, and I don't know if this book needed it. And it's not a, a it's not a typical plot. romance it, at all, though either. It's not a typical romance. It's not a primary plot point, but I was excited by it. And to be honest, I also felt like it was something important for the start of Arden's personal evolution into her being like oh I'm attractive to people like am I a thing (laughs) like and to be honest I felt that too when I went to London and my cousins were like let's go out look at that guy looking at you and I'm like what is that (laughs) what's happening what's happening is that a thing so I I kind of liked to have just even a sprinkle of romance not not that it was central to how the girls evolved because I didn't want that to be like I didn't want it to be a romance and to be how to be reacting guy, to a man, yeah, for example, how yeah. this guy got into their family. Like I was like, that's not about that. But to, to even have the sprinkles and potential of a romance, I felt was important to Arden's character development because she mm-hmm. is so introverted and that is something that she doesn't see in herself. And um, then it evolves into a conversation with the grand grand about, you know, like your destiny is to be loved. And it's part of something that she's like, what is going on with me? And so I liked that and I liked putting that in there. And so I would love to see more of their characters evolving and see more of what they could look like. So um, that's definitely excitement for potential future things. I also want to hint that, I and other people would love to potentially see this filmized. (laughs) So I'm putting that energy out in the world and saying that I would also be very interested in turning this into a screenplay and seeing what possibilities there are to these characters um, being filmized. Yeah, we need to see more of these characters on screen. Definitely. Yes. Black girls as superheroes, like that makes complete sense. And why have I not seen more of that? So I love that. And I love that concept. And it it feels right. And it feels now. And it also feels like it should have happened already. I I have a good friend who is like, you know, a a little bit older than me, but um, I had sent her an advanced copy of the book because she partially inspired the character character of Kiara and I was like I want you to read this book and she was like this is the first time in my life I've read a book about black girls for like for black girls and she was like I've never in my life she was like never in high school college she was like this is so special and it's just she was like I can't wait to share this with my girls like so yeah being able to be a part of this wave and opening and portal of writing and stories about more diverse voices and and definitely seeing different people having power and different people being a part of the universe of the future and i'm really proud to proud to be a part of i feel like this wave of afrofuturism and writers who are talking about you know like black characters being magnificent so i'm i'm excited for this book and i i had an early reviewer who um compared this to she said um the octavio butler dawn series was her introduction to black fantasy and she was like i feel like this book is going to do that for the younger generation and i was blown away by that compliment of that size because my heart is always in just really like sharing the voice of black female empowerment feels so so rich to me and strong and 
to be a part of this legacy, like of mm-hmm. like Oprah Winfrey and like Maya Angelou and I- Ava DuVernay and like Issa Rae and like black females who are doing black writing and, you know, expressing black voices and black strength. Um, feels really exciting to me. So I, I hope this book is a part of that. That's great. Thank so you. let's talk about um, writing community and kind of like how, have you found your, your crew yet? Are you still looking? Like, um, how's that going? Yeah, I, I am like, I still feel like an emerging writer. Like I, I, I have, you know, still connect with that sense, but I recognize now like with a published book, I'm I'm a writer writer so I've been so fortunate in my emerging state in my little like pupil writer state to have found really great mentors who I still rely on and connect to you know on a monthly basis one of which Valerie Hayes Perry I'm just going to shout her out she like helped birth this book completely she saw me from the very beginning when I was first just still writing short stories and she was one of the first people who was like you have a novel in you girl and I was like I don't know I just like to write little stuff and characters (laughs) and I don't know that's a big stuff and then it was a really personal experience I had going to Burning Man actually in 2014 where I I got really just hit with this feeling like this novel that is in you needs to come out, girl, and you need to stop denying the possibility of this creative juice you have. And so it was Valerie who was one of the first people that I like brought this little like fetus of a budding idea of a novel to, and she helped birth it. She was like, yeah, you know, I love these characters. She was one of the first people who saw the manuscript in progress and gave me editing notes. So I'm so grateful to her. I'm also so grateful to my storytelling mentor, Jeff Greenwald, and he's in the storytelling community and has worked as a writer. And we actually met by just happenstance at a workshop and um, we were just kind of really not connecting with the writer and we're leaving at the exact same time. And then we're like, yeah, that, that was not writing. What was that? And so we were like, oh, let's talk about writing. And then we ended up connecting and and it was through him that I started storytelling and started performing on stages and telling my own personal narrative was so very helpful to the process of writing this story. Mm. And a lot of the times parts of things that like I was in a story developing, I'd be like, "Whoa, okay. Yeah, that's not a thing, but that there's like a concept there and it's almost something that would be between the, the girls. So let, let's, you know, table that into a novel discussion mm-hmm. so so part of the path of finding myself as a performing storyteller helped me writing this novel and definitely in, def- in finding my voice as a writer and as a I feel like storyteller um, has been so important and I'm also grateful to writing workshops I've been in I was in Vona Voices oh that's great um, yeah Vona's fantastic yeah that that was it is one of um the the few writing workshops specifically for writers of color and I'm really grateful to it. I was actually in it for um, I'm writing a, a memoir about my experiences at Burning Man and being a black femme burner. So, I was so in let's talk workshop for that. Yeah, let's talk about Burning Man because um, you know <laughs> it's it's an experience that uh, it's hard to relate to people who haven't done it, but there's this element of leaving the default world behind and creating a new one sort of moment by moment. 
Um, and I feel like the entire world right now has left the default world behind. And, you know, it's dire and dark, but there's a, there's, there is an opportunity for growth and development and something new to come from our imaginations right now. Yeah. And I feel like maybe as a burner, you, you've, you've already been through that stage and maybe you have like some knowledge or experience or advice for the rest of the world now that they are uh, un or reluctantly dragged away from the default world. Man, I, I appreciate that question. And yes, I, so this past year, 2019 was my sixth burn. So okay. I've gone to Burning Man for six years in a row and I definitely identify with the community and I'm, appreciate that it's brought me a lot of strength as a creative. And one of the things that I feel really fortunate that it gave me personally is this ability to start to, that is so important to being able to do something new and to get to the next step. And before Burning Man, I was very much a clinger of mm things and people and experiences and things like, like this is my personal narrative. Nothing's going to change it. And, and part of Burning Man, I remember so poignantly, like uh, the symbol of it is burning things. And even throughout the week, different um, artists will build things, you know, specifically out of wood and then have burns for them. Even before the main man the burned man on the, the Saturday, temple, yeah. there will be other burns. But I remember my first year seeing like this really amazing structure and I kept thinking multiple times when I passed it, I'm going to climb that. That's really cute, but I'm on my way here. Oh, that, there's that thing again. It's really cute. I'm on my way there. And then the next time I went back, it was burning and I was like, wait, what? I don't understand. How is it not there anymore? And so I like roll up and I was like, why are they burning it? Like it's Wednesday. Like they shouldn't be the end of the week. It should be here. I wanted to get on it. And they're like, no, I'm like we were done with this one. We're actually going to build a different thing for the end of the burn. So we need to burn this one. And I just remember being so personally offended by that and needing to sit with that like <laughs> wow I wanted to I was like I didn't take the experience of climbing it when I had it and now I'm regretting it and now I'm mad at them but they are ready to move on and I'm not and that was one of the many things that I was like sometimes you need to just do things and if you didn't do it like move on because there's something else and look at these people they're willing to move on they did what they did with the structure the people who got on it got on it I, I didn't experience but I did view it so I appreciate it in my way. <laughs> So, so that was like a little bit of a kernel of a lesson where I was like, you know what? Sometimes you got to just let things go and move on. Because sometimes yeah. things just end up in a big fire and you didn't expect it. And so... I love that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, that idea. Because right now, you know, we could all be regretting the things that we didn't do while we could, right? When we're, you know, stuck at home and, and thinking through like, oh, Dude. that time I didn't go out or those many times I didn't go out. <laughs> but, you know, we can't hold on to that. We can't regret. We have to figure out what's the new forward. Next step. Next step. Like, I, yeah, like I grieved it. I grieved it. And then I moved on. And there are other adventures and other things. And, and I bet you, like, so, so sincerely after that, I was like, when I see something and I want to get on it, I'm getting on it. Because yeah. I don't know if they're going to burn it in a day and it's not going to be there. <laughs> and that gave me, started this, like, sense of, of appreciating nowness. And then whatever surprises came, they came and I wasn't like expecting something else to come. Mm -hmm. And that's been very helpful in this pandemic. That's been part of my saving grace. I've been going through personal grief. One of the characters that I love so much in the story, Liberty, 
who's inspired by a real life cousin that I have, Chanel, passed away in February, very mm-hmm. suddenly and very surprisingly. And it was so painful to me also because I was not able to be there physically with my family in London who were there with her. And through all the pandemic, I was not able to be at the funeral. Like it was just, it felt like such a tragedy. And I was like, how am I going to move on from this? Like I, like I had plans with Chanel. She was supposed to be part of my book tour. Like none of this was supposed to happen. I was in a lot of grief during the first few weeks of the pandemic, like very angry. Like I had a book tour planned. I was going places. This is not supposed to be. And I feel like the thing that has helped me so much personally is getting to a place like, okay, you know what? All of it's in a bonfire right now. It's not even what I expected. I'm so angry. Yes, there's grief, but there has to be something new from this. There's other new life to look forward to. There's other beautiful things. And I'm so grateful that it feels like it was past me that was honoring my cousin already so that she would be in this book to live on so I could have the chance to be talking about her on this virtual tour to share her message and her word and her love and that feels like you know something I'm holding on to and I'm like it's not something I thought it would have before but I have it now and so like that that just sense of like I can't even look at what I've lost but I can only look at what I potentially am gaining and what I can move forward with. That sense is something that like, it's hard to describe how going to a festival in the desert could give that to you as a person. Mm. But it is definitely one of the first experiences I have ever ever had with that in life. Because in the default world, I just experienced clinging and holding on to things and grudges and people bringing up stuff and like, you know, like, so so that start starting the sense of like there can be new things after what you expect to happen mm-hmm. that you can still love and look forward to and you can have the grieving and the moving on at the same time that that is I feel like fundamental to how I'm evolving right now like I'm like this is not the book tour I wanted for my 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 first books to come out I thought of being an author since I was like a wee one since before I could read I was like books are pretty what is going on in there squiggly stuff I want to know secrets (laughs) so it's it's been its own personal evolution for me to let go like I can't do the in-person speaking tour signing books right now but I'm excited to be able to thank you so much for having me on your show for having me a part of this this virtual talk that you do with the world so that I can share what's going on in in my creative world thank you I'm I'm glad that this I'm glad we connected I'm glad this worked out I'm glad that you have something great to bring into the world because we all need it right now thank you we so need much. we need these stories Thank you. Yeah, I I saw an early reviewer um, who was like, "I'm so grateful this book has nothing to do with the pandemic." And yeah, yeah it's 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 definitely a, a beautiful escape into a new land. And I hope people enjoy this adventure of black girl magic and fantasy and funness. Yadasa, thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you for having me.